Salutations, listeners. You're listening to another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. And I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. It's our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. It's taken me a very long time to do this episode. And it's part of our series, Gearing Up for Mardi Gras. And on this episode, we are going to feature the one, the only, Dr. John. Dr. John recently passed away this past summer. And it hit me hard. It hit me real hard. Because I've seen this man perform twice. And he is such an institution and a cultural icon for the city of New Orleans. And we're going to be talking about him in the breaks and listening and celebrating his music. So, Viva Dr. John. Let's get to some music. Magnificent. We don't go out to rolling rock. We get our kicks from the house of shop. He's got shaggy hair and a graveyard stare. Vampire blood spill everywhere. That's Margus. Magnificent. We don't go Argus, the magnificent. We don't go out to roll and rock. We get our kicks from the house and shop. Tripping up 
back down to buy you. I'm the last of the best, they call me the greedy man. Got many clients, come from miles around. Running down my prescription. I got medicine to cure all y'all's ills. I got remedies of every description. You got love trouble, you got a bad woman you can't control, I got just the thing for you. Something called controlling on some get-together drops. If you work too hard and you need a little rest, try my Easy Life Rub or put some of my Boss Fix Jazz in your breakfast. Try a little bit of... My whole car, they just won't be beat. Try my dragon's blood, my drawn tide, and my sacred sand. Never a little black cat oil if your woman's got another man. Some goofy dust, we need a light pot, a ball stick pot. I know you're reading out the palm of your hand. Tell us you strain all that sand. Put on your woman's feet and see she don't know that one and bury her from love. Yeah, yeah. 
She juggle fire in the ditch Clear day on the Bayou St. John She raised her hands and caused electrical storm She was a treacherous lady She never met much harm One day she ducked past the station house She turned on the fire alarm Somehow she got tangled up with Queen Julia Jackson Down on Melpomene and Nerada Street Queen Julia Jackson dropped the Zozo the Brick That was Jump Steady from Dr. John's album, Gree Gree, from 1969-1970 era. Before that, we heard Gree Gree Gumbo Ya Ya, which is the track that Dr. John invented himself. And he basically introduced his stage presence dr john to the world and before that 
we heard Morgus the Magnificent. <laughs> um, couple things. So, Dr. John was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, November 20th, 1941. And he was born as Malcolm John Rebenack Jr., otherwise known as Matt Rebenack. And he even went by the moniker Dr. John Crow, C-R-E-A-U-X, for a while. But he stuck with Dr. John, the Night Tripper. <laughs> um, and that is how the world got to know Dr. John is because he basically did a whole track uh, to introduce himself. And he had all sorts. I mean, you talk about a gumbo, baby. He had German, Irish, Spanish, English, and French all in his family. (laughs) So if that ain't a gumbo, I don't know what is. Uh, His dad, Malcolm Sr., ran an appliance shop uh, in New Orleans, and he would basically... He'd uh, fix radios, televisions, electronics, but he would also sell records. Now, you talk about growing up being around music. He was he grew up in the third ward of New Orleans, and he, you know, his grandfather and, and his family uh, would play piano, and they'd sing these old-timey tunes, and he learned that growing up. Uh, he didn't take any music lessons, uh, before he was a teenager, though, and uh, supposedly he was in uh, a choir for a very, very, very short time before he got kicked out. <laughs> uh, but his father, being a jazz fan, uh, exposed him very, very young to musicians like Louis Armstrong and King Oliver. And as Mac grew older into, you know, a teenager, his uh, father's connections helped him uh, access, get access into the recording rooms of, you know, rock and roll artists because, you know, that was the rebellious young music of the day, right? His early rock and roll. So he got to see Little Richard and Guitar Slim in action. So as he got older, he began to actually, he, he learned the guitar and and he learned to sing uh, from this rock and roll style, and he began to perform in New Orleans. When he was about 13 years old, Little Mac let, met this piano player, and that piano player happened to be Professor Longhair, and he was so struck by Professor Longhair's get-up, his attire, his clothes, and his his musical style, you know, that rumba thing with with the the rhythm and blues all mixed in with the second line rhythm, you know. So he was just enamored with Fess. And they began performing together, uh, and that kind of started off Mac's life as a professional musician. Um he said that uh, his debut in the studio was about 1955 or 1956. And he was signed on as a songwriter and as an artist uh, by Aladdin Records. 
and he joined the Musicians Union at the end of 1957. And then he, when he did that, he considered himself to be a professional musician. Like, this is what I'm doing with my life. Uh, at about age 16, he was hired as a producer at Ace Records. Now, how many 16-year-olds do you know who's apt to be a, pro- a record producer? But he gained this wonderful experience, and he worked with a ton of great, great, great artists, like James Booker, who would later teach him how to play the organ. Earl King, the great Earl King, who wrote Big Chief, and Jimmy Clanton. So, even though he was a student in high school, and he was struggling in high school, he was already playing nightclubs. So, I mean, his first band was the Dominoes, and, I mean, you know, he he formed that while he was still in school. And his... You know, the, the, he was at a Jesuit high school, and, and the fathers at the Jesuit high school told him, you need to either stop playing in these clubs late at night, or you need to leave the school. So, needless to say, he was expelled in high, from high school in 1954. And then, after that, he could just focus on music. So that's what he did. Oh, and, I mean, he... He worked with Frankie Ford and the Thunderbirds. If you're not sure if you recognize Frankie Ford, if you've ever heard that old 50s rock and roll song, Sea Cruise, ooey baby, Sea Cruise, I want to take you on a Sea Cruise. Yeah, he worked with them. And by the age of 17, he had co-written his first rock and roll song called Lights Out for the specialty label for Jerry Byrne. And that was in 1957. And then he had a Bo Diddley kind of song he wrote, you know, with that rhythm called Storm Warning on Rex Records. And, I mean, so you see where we're going. He's, he's, he started off young, and he started off just completely immersing himself in the music. Um, but uh, he started off, like I said, as a guitar player. But around 1960... The ring finger on his left hand, that's the, the hand where you place on the frets, right, to, to make the chords. It was injured in a gunshot incident when he was playing down in Jacksonville, Florida. And after the injury, Max said he, he was just going to concentrate on bass guitar. That way he could just walk kind of, you know, with the two fingers. Um, and that didn't work out too well. I mean, he could do it, but he wasn't getting the kind of thing that he needed to you know because he kind of lost a little bit of feeling in that ring finger so then he decided to make the piano his main instrument and he developed his own style influence from his idol professor longhair so um and, you know, back then, you got to understand that, you know, a lot of police and stuff like that did not uh, approve of black musicians and white musicians hanging out together. But he didn't care. And he'd often get in trouble with the police for hanging out with black musicians like Professor Longhair and for hanging out in black clubs. So, um, of course, you know, he, he had a couple of run-ins with the law, but... Um, he, he decided to leave out for Los Angeles in L.A. And while in L.A., he was so musical, he became a first-call 
session musician for the studios in L.A. through the 60s and 70s and was part of the quote-unquote wrecking crew stable of studio musicians. And they he, he backed up bands like Sonny and Cher, Canned Heat, uh, Frank Zappa, and the Mothers of Invention. So we're talking about a wide array of stuff. So that's the first little bit we're going to talk about Mac. And after this set, we're going to be, talk about a little bit of his voodoo influence. So thank you for staying tuned in. I'm sorry there's going to be a lot of discussion because this man and his music means so much to me. And hopefully it meant a whole lot to you. So stick around. We're spotlighting the music of Dr. John here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. <laughs>
right place, but it must have been a wrong time. I'd have said the right thing, but it must have used the wrong line. I've been on the right trip, but it must have used the wrong call. Hit us in a bad place, and I wonder what it's good for. I've been in the right place, but it must have been a wrong time. My head is in a bad place, but I'm having such a good time. Talking to this time. Doesn't need a little brain salad surgery. I got the cue of my insecurity. That I've been in the wrong place, but it must have been the right time. I've been in the right place, but it must have been the wrong song. Steal away, the time is right 
you know somebody else will If I don't do it, you know somebody else will be If I don't do it, you know somebody else will Cause it's such a night So these last two tracks that you just heard were probably two of the most popular tracks that Dr. John came out with. Uh, We just heard Such a Night, which um, is one of his most popular tracks and was the song that was featured uh, in The Last Waltz from the band, that movie. And it shows Dr. John playing and singing that as well. Uh, Before that, we heard Right Place, Wrong Time, which is still being played on many uh, popular oldies radio, classic rock radio stations. And then we started off the set with I Walk on Gilded Splinters. Now, I Walk on Gilded Splinters is still from the Greek Gree album, where Right Place, Wrong Time, and Such a Night were both from In the Right Place album. So let's talk about a little bit where Dr. John got his voodoo influence and how he became Dr. John the Night Tripper and all this. Um, two parts to that is, one, when he was a young man in New Orleans, Mac was very, very, very interested in this concept of New Orleans voodoo. But, as I said, he moved out to L.A. and became a studio musician, and he had a friend out there, Ronnie Barron. And he had had this idea since, you know, he was already had experience being a record producer. He's now a studio cat, you know, that's in demand and just loads of talent, right? He had this idea for Ronnie Barron to be Dr. John. And he'd be the guy that wrote all the songs and played in the band behind him, you know. In other words, he, he would kind of be like a Bernie Taupin and Elton John, but the front man would be Ronnie. And the front man was supposed to be Dr. John, who was based on the Senegalese prince, you know, who was like a, a voodoo master, a, a conjure man, a herb doctor, spiritual healer, who came to New Orleans from Haiti. And the legend has it that this free man of color lived on Bayou Road, had 15 wives and 15, 50 children, 5050. Uh, <laughs> legend has that he kept an assortment of snakes and lizards and embalmed scorpions, animal and human skulls. He sold Grigri voodoo amulets that are supposed to protect, you know, anywhere from harm. So Mac decided that he was going to produce a record and it was going to be based on this whole stage show, you know, and it was going to be like, this character, Dr. John, was serving as, like, you know, this emblem of New Orleans heritage. But, <laughs> this did not come to pass. This did not work out. Because Ronnie Barron dropped out of the whole project. And Mac thought it was too good of an idea to pass up. So he said, you know what, I'm going to take over the role. And I'm going to be Dr. John. That's who I'm going to be. And, of course, Grigri 
was the name of this album that he had envisioned for Ronnie and him. But it just became him. And it was actually released, I was wrong, it was released in January of 68. So, not 69, it was 68. Almost 67. So, we're talking, you know, psychedelic era. This is, you know, pre-Beatles breaking up, if that puts it in any kind of context, you know. And he said that music was his own kind of voodoo medicine. Okay. So, fast forward a couple years to um, 1973. And he reaches back with Alan Toussaint. And Alan Toussaint is a legendary New Orleans piano player, songwriter, producer, everything, right? And he, you know, Alan Toussaint was producing the meters, who was killing it, right? And basically he had the meters back him up and he had Alan Toussaint produce this album that he had in mind. And he wanted to make it the New Orleans funk album. And he wanted to call it In the Right Place. So, in the same way that, you know, Grigri was, you know, it, it, it kind of introduced everybody to this voodoo side of Dr. John. Um, in the right place, wanted, he, he wanted this to establish him as one of the kings of New Orleans funk. And he had even said, Mac had said, the album had more of a straight-ahead dance feel than the ones I had done in the past although it was still anchored in solid R&B. Well, it rose to number 24 on the Billboard charts in 73, 1973. And the single, Right Place, Wrong Time, peaked at number 9 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. And it peaked at number 19 on the Hot Soul singles chart. And then Such a Night peaked at number 42. So, it's one of his most recognized songs, and the, th the crazy part about the lyrics to Right Place, Wrong Time is that Bob Dylan, Bette Midler, and Doug Somm contributed single lines to the lyrics, which lists several instances of ironic bad luck and failure. So, yeah, Dr. John, Bette Midler, Bob Dylan all had something to do with those lyrics. Bet you didn't know that, huh? All right. Well, we're going to get to another set of music. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. By the way, you can catch the Dr. Jazz website on SoundCloud, iTunes Podcast, and Stitcher. We're also on Twitter at NDHJazz. And check out our website so you know exactly what to get, order, or look for at your local record store. That's Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast.wordpress.com. Let's get to some more music.
Junko Partner by Dot John, a great, great New Orleans classic. Previous to that, we heard Ico Ico, which is originally written by Sugar Boy Crawford. In case you don't know, that's Devell Crawford's grandfather. And Sugar Boy was the very first one to write and record Ico Ico. And then the Dixie Cups recorded Ico Ico. And Mac said, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I want to I want to do this. You know, I want to do a bunch of like New Orleans standards, but we're going to get into that in a minute. By the way, if you've caught any of those Peroni commercials on TV, that's basically the same thing as Ico Ico. They're just taking it and saying instead of saying Ico Ico, they're saying Bella Bella. So take that for what you will. But we started off the set with I've been hoodooed and 
oh my god, just how funky is that with that wailing organ up top, soulful vocals from Mac, and you got that cowbell just hitting it down, and that bass laying the, the groove, man. And of course, I've Been Hoodooed comes off of, is another track off of the album In the Right Place, that we were just talking about how Mac wanted to become an ambassador for funk in New Orleans. But previous to that album, uh, he actually recorded Gumbo. And Gumbo was where Ico Ico and Junko Partner came from. Now, that album was recorded in 1972. So it's, it's basically, it, as a whole, blanket statement, Gumbo by Dr. John is an album that it basically covers... Standards of New Orleans, R&B, you know, standards from New Orleans. And uh, out of that entire album, there's only one song that's an original composition. And in a way, it's, you could call it a cornerstone of New Orleans music. And um, Dr. John says that in 1972, I recorded Gumbo, an album that was both a tribute and my interpretation of the music that I had grown up with in New Orleans in the late 40s and 50s. So that's got to be Professor Longhair influence, right? Right. He goes on to say, I tried to keep a lot of little changes that were characteristic of New Orleans while working on my own funknology <laughs> on piano and guitar. Uh, the lead single from the album, Ico Ico, which we just heard, broke into the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart reaching number 71. And in 2003, Rolling Stone magazine made a list of the 500 greatest albums of all time, and Dr. John's Gumbo was number 404 in that list. So, there you go. Um, But with Gumbo, you see, Dr. John wanted to kind of get his career past the point of this psychedelic voodoo music and all the theatrics that were associated with it, you know. He still had the Dr. John persona, um, and it was still, you know, all the way up until the end. It was a part of his identity, his music, um, but he basically said, after we cut the new record, I decided to ha- I'd had enough of the Mighty Kutafayo Hoodoo show, and so I dumped the Grigri routine that we have been touring with since 1967 and worked up a new act. And this new act was supposed to be a Mardi Gras review featuring the New Orleans standards we had covered in Gumbo. So that's interesting, you know. So he wanted to basically say, like, look, you know, we're doing it all. We're doing the Greek. We've done the Grigri thing. We've moved on from that. Then we're going to move to New Orleans standards, like R&B standards, and we're going to do them in our own way. As he said, he was working on his own funknology. And then he went from that and he said, you know what? That's, we want to build off of that. We want to make sure that uh, you know we become the sound of New Orleans funk. And he, he started a cult following with like major musicians, cats like Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones and Eric Clapton were a part of this like cult following that was just enamored with Mac and his his funkness and his his down home, you know, soul from New Orleans and his sound and his and these tunes. So, all right, 
We got another set of music coming for you. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. You're listening to the Dr. John special on the Dr. Jazz podcast.
Desitively Bonnaroo, indeed. That was Desitively Bonnaroo from the album Desitively Bonnaroo. <laughs> ah, before that, we heard Most Scotius from Desitively Bonnaroo. And then we open up the set with Big Chief. And Big Chief is uh, one of the tracks off the Gumbo album that we were just talking about. Big Chief is actually a tune that was written by Earl King. 
And then, which we talked about in the very beginning, one of the, the you know, the cats that young Matt actually had the chance to go see in the studio, you know, um, and work with. And, um, you know, Earl King wrote Big Chief, and then later the whistle and the little rumba beat and the little uh, riff in the right hand of the piano was made famous by an arrangement made famous by Professor Longhair. So when Mac chose to write this for, or, or record this for Gumbo, he wanted to do it on the organ, and he wanted to put his own soulful vocals on it. So there you go. Um, but the other two tracks, the last two tracks we heard are from the album Desitively Bonnaroo. And the idea for Desitively Bonnaroo was just to basically, you know, build on what had already, already been established before with In the Right Place. So, you know, Mac took that same formula and he said, all right, I want to work again with Alan Toussaint and I want the meters to back me up on this album just like they did on that album. And we're going to call this Desitively Bonnaroo. And he recorded it and released it in 1974. So, um, and it, it's got the same feel of, you know, the, the same New Orleans funk. But for some reason, it didn't catch the mainstream uh, media and, 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 and hype that In the Right Place did as an album, right? Um, it did produce a couple signals, you know, everybody want to get rich right away, but, um, to some people it was his last funk album until, you know, the nineties. So, but what's interesting to note about Desitively Bonnaroo, which are these just kind of made up terms, which you know exactly what it means, you know, just by listening to it in context, man, that sounds Desitively Bonnaroo. You know, it just sounds great. You know, uh, same with the, the, you know, the made up term Moscotius. You know, it just means he's crazy over some this girl or something, you know. But uh, what's really interesting about that is that, you know, the music festival Bonnaroo, you know, in the state of Tennessee, took their name for the Bonnaroo Music Festival from Dr. John's word, Desitively Bonnaroo. So, there you go. We can thank Dr. John for naming that music festival. How awesome is that? All right, we're going to get back to some more music. You uh, can listen to the Dr. Jazz podcast anytime you like on SoundCloud, iTunes Podcasts, and on Stitcher. Make sure to tell your friends about it. Share the info with them. Uh, if you like these tracks and you want to know where what albums they come from, then by all means, check out the website. We've already done that work for you. Dr. Jazz Podcast. D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast.wordpress.com You can also find us on Twitter at N-D-H-Jazz. All right, let's get back to some more music. Spotlighting Dr. John. Gone back home, G90 to 
the land of the beautiful queen. Gone back home to my baby, going back to New Orleans. Here come the Neville brothers. Now that little conjure lady Not long ago 
In New Orleans, Louisiana Name my real Believe it or not Strange as it seems She made a fortune selling booze And interpreting dreams She was known throughout the nation As the voodoo queen Folks come to her For miles and miles around She showed them how to put That voodoo down To the voodoo lady They all would go The rich, the educated The ignorant and the poor She'd snap her fingers And shake her head She'd tell them about their lovers Live in a bed Now old old lady Name her Widow Brown Ex-wild lover Stop coming around The voodoo gays And her and squawk I seen him kissing a young girl Up in Shakespeare's park Hanging around a old tree In the dark Oh my Hush, my darling, don't you cry. I make him come back by and by. Just sprinkle this snake dust all over your floor. I make it come back Friday morning when the roots to crow. Now my revo, she held him in her hand. Orleans, Louisiana was her promised land. Quality folks come from far and near. This wonder woman fought a year. They was afraid to be seen at her gate. They creep through the dark just to hear their fate. Holding dark veils over their head, it was trouble here. When Marie Labo said, Marie Labo, Marie Labo. Marie Labo. Marie Labo. 
Down the way 
John's album Creole Moon and that's a great cover it's just it's got this like painting of what would be Baron Somdi on the front you know with like the split face you know and the hat and everything and on the back of that is like this portrait of Marie Laveau so I mean that that's pretty hip but Creole Moon you know um 
that was really kind of like him kind of going back to that that Dr. John, you know, voodoo kind of persona, right? And, you know, Bruja Bembe just kind of sounds like, you know, this conjuring of spells. And it's just, it's creepy, funky greatness, you know, and that's one of the one of the many hats that Mac wore, and we love him for it. Uh, but the track before that was actually Marie Laveau, uh, which is an old classic. Mac didn't write that. That's an old classic that has been recorded from Papacella Stan on down, and that is a nod not only to the voodoo culture of New Orleans, but to its musical uh, legacy as well. And so he's really paying tribute to another one of those New Orleans standards by recording Marie Laveau. And he actually recorded that track features not only him, but Cyril Neville of the Neville Brothers uh, doing background vocals and beats provided by the Mardi Gras Indians. And that comes from his album, Nolens, Dis, Dat, or Da, <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. And then we opened up the set with Going Back to New Orleans. And that is from the album Going Back to New Orleans. And the the great part about that is it's got like this kind of Latin vibe going on. But oh my God, you cannot say it's not New Orleans because it features so many of the historical personalities that were still around at that time. You've got the Neville brothers. You've got Charmin Neville. You've got Al Hurt, Pete Fountain. Uh, just, oh my God, it's just, it's, it's just full of vigor and everything about it just screams New Orleans, which is, you know, one of the reasons that we just love, love, love it. But I wanted to take a quick minute and let you know, uh, just some of the things, I mean, uh, that, and I mean, it's just going to seem like we're glazing over, but Dr. John, you know, he, he also got a chance to record with Professor Longhair on Professor Longhair's Crawfish Fiesta album. Professor Longhair passed away in 1980, in January 1980, and that album came out right after that. And uh, it was actually awarded the first, the very first W.C. Handy Blues Album of the Year. But, I mean, Dr. John, you got to understand, he's performed... Uh, and recorded with everybody you could think of. Neil Diamond, Carly Simon, James Taylor, the Rolling Stones, Maria Moldauer, Van Morrison. He was a producer on his record, A Period of Transition, and he played keyboards and guitar on that album. Uh, Levon Helm, Ringo Starr, Greg Allman, the, the group Spiritualized, right? He was on the song on piano and vocals. He contributed vocals to the song Cop Shoot Cop from their album Ladies Weird and Gentlemen We Are Floating in Space, which is a great album. I've actually heard that album, you know. Harry Connick Jr. He was featured in The Princess and the Frog, the Disney film. And in fact, uh, what is it? The Princess Tiana, I think. Yeah, she was uh, patterned after uh, Miss Leah Chase. From Dookie Chases, you know, the, the, the great restaurant. Lou Reed, Niles Lofgren. It just keeps going on and on and on. The Blues Brothers, Art Blakey, Irma Thomas, Bonnie Raitt, 
Alan Tassan, of course, Pharrell Williams, Janelle Monet, Aretha Franklin. I mean, <laughs> this guy's done it all. And with everybody, Paul McCartney. We'll get to um, some more music, and, and I'll give you a couple more fun facts. We've got about two more sets left, so hopefully you dig it. Thank you so much for listening. You know, you are listening to the Dr. John Spotlight on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. You can find somebody who loves the world and people. Load them in the office. Look just a little deeper. Don't suck up the art. Strip mine this old earth Save our planet Whose master do you serve Time for a change And you know it is Time for a change And that's square biz Universe a little fire Before we die Stop the money made At the cost of life If you see what I'm saying Thank you. 
Before that, we heard Everything I Do Gonna Be Funky from now on. Dr. John covering the Alan Toussaint classic written by the... <laughs> yeah, Alan Toussaint. But it's this arrangement is actually with the Dirty Dozen Brass Band and it's from their album, Medicated Magic. So, there you go. Um, it's probably one of my favorite versions of that song. Just because... Mac is just so he's dripping with funk I mean and when you're singing everything I do is going to be funky from now on well hell everything he's done is funky so there you go before that we heard time for a change and that actually came from the 2008 album City That Care Forgot which is it used to be known as the moniker for the city of New Orleans because you don't have any cares when you come down to the Big Easy, right? 
but this album is a response to FEMA and the government after Hurricane Katrina happened in 2005 down in New Orleans. Um, you know, that was just a botched job. And that's not a Republican issue. That's not a Democrat issue. That's just a humanitarian issue. Um, and Dr. John, you know, it was very integral in performing benefit concerts, telethons, uh, putting out small little EPs to help uh, raise money and awareness for the Jazz Foundation of America, the Salvation Army, the uh, Musicians Clinic, the Musicians Medical Clinic in New Orleans, um, all these things. And he was also very integral into trying to save the wetlands. He was very, very, very passionate about that. Um, and, you know, even after the BP oil spill, you know, he was on interviews saying, we got to do what we got to do in order to save these little critters. <laughs> and I mean, I know that, you know, they're animals and it's that sort of thing. But just to hear, you know, this rough shot guy who's been through so much in his lifetime talk about, you know, we need to save these little critters. You know, there's a soft spot, right? And, um, yeah. So besides being the guy that sang Cruella de Vil from, you know, the 101 Dalmatians movie or the guy that wrote My Opinionation from The Blossom Show, you know, where, or, you know, let, let's be honest, the culture we live in, right? He's the guy that wrote the jingle, Love That Chicken from Popeyes. That was Dr. John. He wrote that. He's famous for that. So, and Curious George. He's the guy that did all that. But what's, you know, the TV show, the cartoon, right? Um, he, he wrote the theme song. But what's more important than that is that he was a humanitarian. You know, he loved... New Orleans, he loved humanity, he loved folks, and he loved little critters, you know, and he's always trying to fight for what's right, and it reminds me when he got his honorary doctorate from Tulane, he got that the same day, the same year that the Dalai Lama did, now that's pretty interesting, you know, but I've heard many, many, many interviews with Mac. And one of the things that he said really stuck with me. Because they asked him about religion. And in this world in which we live in where everything's so deeply divided. You know, either you're red or you're blue. You're black or you're white. You, you know, you're Christian or you're not. All these things like that. You know, and... and People are so quick to judge and not so easy to lend a helping hand or forgive or think about the miles that those folks are going through. They asked Dr. John in one of these interviews about religion and he, and he so succinctly put it, the problem is not religion. There's no problem of religion whatsoever, whether that's Islam, whether that's Judaism, Christianity, whatever. Religion is not a problem. Mankind is the problem. The problem is man. 
and it's how we interpret it and how we pass prejudice. And I, that really hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, it's just like there's so many divisions. We need words like that today. There are so many divisions. So if you get a chance before you judge the next person that you're thinking about not giving two thoughts about or two looks at, please remember those words if you're listening to this. Whether you consider yourself, you know, agnostic, Christian, atheist, Jewish, Muslim, Protestant, Catholic, don't matter. People are people, and we're on this earth together. So, all right, one last set for you on this spotlight of the great Dr. John.
had the big parade. All on a mighty grande. The big band's round, let the big parade. All on a mighty grande.
we are always underestimate I say yes Do a little bit of each and every day. We can always do better in a each and every way. If we don't believe in ourselves, nobody's gonna do it. Don't push ourselves. We ain't never gonna make it through it. All you got to do is want it bad enough. All you got to do. Want it bad enough? All you got to do is want it bad enough. You might be surprised. Life is a near death experience. Yeah, it's right here. On this great big earth. And it could be a little taste of a heaven. If we only knew our worth. All we got to do is want it bad enough to And you might be surprised started off that set with Revolution from Dr. John's Lockdown album, which is one of the last really, really successful albums that he had. And then we heard Mardi Gras Day from Most Scotia's The Dr. John Anthology. And then we ended with the piano solo, just Mac, his voice, and his keys with You Might Be Surprised, which is featured in the Treme soundtrack for season two. And he was also on the Treme series. So, and that song, You Might Be Surprised, is full of good message and hope. 
and that's my mama's favorite song by Dr. John. And I, I really miss him. I don't have anything else to say. I just, I love Mac and his music, and I, and I still miss him. You know. So, hopefully if you miss him too, you've dug this music, and it'll bring back some of your memories to your memories. We thank you for listening. We love you madly. And until next time, ashes to ashes. Dust to dust. Y'all be good now. Because in jazz, we trust.